I'd like to thank Dr. Claudia Werner for her sensitive evaluation of this podcast. The date is August 9th. It is 1.14 p.m. Pacific Coast time, and we're here to talk about the third book in the Babysitter's Club series, The Truth About the Babysitter's Agency. Uh, and I am here with my guest, another one of my very good friends, another cohort in our UC Santa Barbara Film and Media Studies program, much like Rachel Ball was last week. It is Nicole Strobel. Nicole, how are you? I'm fantastic. I haven't day drunk in a long time. <laughs> yes. Now, uh, you have a rather large glass of wine there in front of you for 1.14 p.m. <laughs> I have a Bloody Mary myself. It's Sunday. Sunday fun day. Yeah. We got the babysitters. We got our, our fun beverages. We have our media content creation. Everything's going great. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much for taking the time to be here to chat with me a little bit about what I thought was a very exciting book in the Babysitter's Club series. A couple of questions I like to ask everyone just before we get started. Uh, what is your experience with the Babysitter's Club? Was this a new series for you or do you have memories and remembrances of this from when you were younger? Um, I mean, as an introvert uh, bookworm that moved a lot, yeah, I think like books What happened were... to that introversion? I haven't seen that in a while. Uh, <laughs> the pandemic is stoking it really uh, well. I got dark. Uh, I'm sorry. Keep going. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like I spent a lot of time reading books. I mean, I would like lock myself in the bathroom and like read whole books like a psycho um so i definitely read this series but really it was really funny that you picked this one because this is probably the one that i remember most out of the series okay but because i think this is how i learned what diabetes was oh okay the truth about stacy yeah yeah okay well that's that's good that the education is working through these young adult books uh, my second question, can you just quickly power rank for me the four main members of the Babysitter's Club in the order of how much you like them? Oof, I wasn't prepared for this one. I, can I go, should have been. We can hold this for the end if you want to use the walkthrough to sort of jog your memory. Hmm. No, I could probably do it right. I mean, there's only four of them. There's only four. So you really just start with your favorite and work your way down. Well, let's see. I'm concerned about Marianne. So, like, she stuck out a lot to me, but mostly out of concern. So, maybe a number two. Um, okay. Let's see. I think probably the funniest one is Stacy. Okay. Christy seems like a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, I don't even remember her name. That's how I unfor unremember all Wow. Claudia Kishi. Claudia Kishi. Although Mimi was a gem. So, Mimi's yeah. number one. Okay. <laughs> I don't think she is a part of the Babysitter's Club proper. It might not be canon, but in my heart. <laughs> in your heart and your fan fiction. Mimi yes. is, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, guests, and I say this like we've done 100 episodes, in the three episodes of this, the two episodes of this show before now, we have all agreed Claudia is far and away our favorite babysitter. Mm. So Maybe. I... She just didn't really have a presence in this book, so... Maybe it's Stacy's beef with her, you know, filtered through Stacy's perspective, but. Yeah. And so what I was going to say, 
you know, I'm new to this podcasting game. And in the first episode, the first two episodes, I feel like I went maybe a little too linearly through the books. And I felt after the two first two books, hey, I figured it out. There's a real formula to these Babysitter's Club books where like first third, we set up the problem. Middle third, random babysitting jobs you can sort of gloss over. Final third, we solve the problem. This book was start to finish political intrigue. It was like Game of Thrones and I, I was gripped and I couldn't put it down. Um, so I, I don't know. There's a larger through line here that I'm excited to break down with you. Okay, because I do not remember the other ones. So this is, <laughs> this one was very wild. I was just like, we're never getting a break, are it, we? It was a uh, roller coaster. I was on the, I paid for the whole seat, but I only needed the edge while I was reading this book. Uh, and just a uh, final question. Is it true that you were offered uh, a spot on a rival babysitting club podcast where they would find you the podcast and you just had to give them a percentage of the proceeds. You know, it's very true. Um, I'm actually, you know, I really resonated with the two girls that, you know, backstabbed the babysitters club because that's kind of my intention with this podcast is to leverage this for (laughs) well, fame and glory. Thankfully you're not chewing gum because we've seen that that is the real mark of a derelict in in this universe. That's true. (laughs) I'll try to keep my likes to a minimum too. Yeah, so this book is the first one that is from the point of view of Stacy, Stacy McGill. The truth about Stacy, I I thought the Stacy stuff was so much in the background for what was really, like we said, a political thriller that really had very little to do with Stacy personally, which I thought was very interesting. It was so back and forth. It was just like one minute we're over here talking about all the political intrigue, and then oh, now we're over here. You know, like going to New York City to like figure out what's going on with Stacy. And I have a theory about Stacy's parents, but we'll talk. Oh, okay. Well, I was gonna say I thought we were gonna talk about like HIPAA violations and insurance premiums, but I would also like to get into Stacy's parents as well. Maybe we'll save that for for later in the book because that's where. Okay. It comes up yeah. I don't want to give you all my <laughs> hot takes. Right uh, at the top. I was really delighted that the book opens with Stacy admitting she doesn't know what she would do without the Babysitter's Club uh, and these three others. I thought that was very sweet for just a few books in. They've, they've bonded together. I, I like the moments where they're together. See, this is where it was like a little bit of a red flag to me. Uh-oh. Because Stacy, in like her consistent insistence of like, I'll do anything for the club. <laughs> I was like, she's going to join a cult. This poor sweet baby angel, which I shouldn't say because that's a saying on a different podcast. Oh, I don't know about that one. (laughs) This poor little girl who's like going through a bunch of shit. Yeah, I can see how it can be endearing, but I was like, shh. Yeah, well, I'm trying to be more, uh, Jillian in the first episode noted I was too cynical about the book. So I'm trying to be Mm. a little bit more effusive Mm. with my praise where I see it, but you're right. Stacy really does have all of the hallmarks of someone who would be very easy recruiting into a cult where she has, they've taken her away from everything she knows. She suffered a personal trauma. This is the only way that she can have like human connection, her own age. Yeah. 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 And she, I mean, just like so many times throughout the book where she's like, I'll do anything for the club. 
I just can't <laughs> lose the club. I don't are... care about my about if I die from diabetes. <laughs> I will do anything for the club. Those are her friends. That's the only way that she can have friends. But I think this gets to my theory about the parents. And oh, okay, yes. The whole holistic doctor thing. I mean, they're definitely these like prototypical new age parents that are like trying to worship at the altar of some sort of like cult knowledge. So I think it's passed down from mm. these parents that are also like, money's not an object, whatever it takes. Yeah, what if, I believe, uh, I'm gonna mix up the names of the doctors even though I wrote them down. Is, oh Dr. is Dr. Barnes the good one or is he the I think he's one? the bad one he's, he's the hack he's the he's the hack okay i wonder if he had said you know stacy there's a, a club of 12 year old girls that all do all of these things together all the time i wonder if that would have convinced her yeah. yeah i think it would i mean she was she's clearly like protecting the nature of the club because like we get a good transition where she's like oh i'm just friends with is it Claudia? She's Claudia's her best friend. Yeah. Which is interesting why it's she's not very much in this book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it seems more of an ensemble piece, this whole book, with just like some glimpses into Stacy. She didn't really have a storyline that she could carry all by herself, I don't think. That is true. Um, but yeah, I mean, we went from Claudia being her one friend, there were kind of this. The, these divisive group tactics and then she's like we all walked to school together in the morning it was the best day of my life i liked it as someone who has started a podcast about the babysitters club i fit right in with the group think um uh what's the word i want sympathetic sycophant sycophantic approach i don't know that i word. hope that's i hope that's the word that i want uh, I, I just thought as an aside, I thought it was really mean she described Claudia's sister as dull as dishwater in the I first did, paragraph, yeah. in the first I, chapter. That was, I marked that too. I was like, what? Yeah, leave Janine alone. She's just trying to be nice and help you girls. I feel like Janine could be their like business strategist they use to combat uh, the other external uh, forces their club faces. She seems, oh, she is a genius, right? That's her whole thing. I, I guess. I guess that's why she's dull as dishwater. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get you a Claudia book next time so you can really get in on the, the Kishi family. I want more Mimi. More Mimi. <laughs> yeah, get it while it lasts. Uh, so the book, uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention before we get into the real uh, Game of Thrones style intrigue at the heart of the book, and we talked about this in the previous episodes, the Newton family has some sort of a strange hold over the babysitters that I think qualifies as like emotional abuse where the babysitters are falling over themselves to like help this random family take care of their newborn child. And in the previous book, they were like trying to make a schedule or was that in this book? Like in case she goes to labor at a certain time. Oh, it's this book, yeah. First chapter. And in previous books, the Newtons have invited them over and like not told them that there are three extra kids there. And one of the extra kids is like a men's rights activist who hates girls. He says it over and over again. And it, it just seems they have this, they have this, this real like emotional hold on the babysitters 
And then they are perfectly happy as soon as the baby comes. Like, we're going to take our business elsewhere. Sorry, suckers. Yeah, I mean, that was quite an emotional drive. And especially considering, I mean, like, I definitely, when you open the book and you just see, we need a plan for yeah. the baby. <laughs> I was like, all right, maybe that's what set off my cult signals. Where it was just like this elaborate planning around somebody else's baby that an adult takes care of. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't have the same amount of privy to the other emotional abuse mm-hmm. evidence um, with the Newtons, but it definitely seemed like quite a turn of events when it when it blew over, kind of. I think ultimately it wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world for these four young women if they did end up babysitting less because of these other babysitters. I think they take it very, very seriously uh, to the point where I'm, I'm not sure how they have time for anything else or emotional investment in anything else. But that's what Stacy wants. That's She's trying to have it all. <laughs> have, yeah. <laughs> Um, what time were you born, Nicole? Uh, actually, probably why this also resonated. I was also a nighttime baby. Yes. 2.32 in the morning. What about you, Jeremy? I was an afternoon baby, 5.43 p.m. 5.43. That's how I remember. 5.43. Yeah. Did you have any, did, have you ever heard any, like, funny stories about your birth or your mom Uh, going to the hospital or anything? It was in Virginia, so it was, like, a million degrees outside <laughs> and my poor little grandma who's probably only four or six at this point in her age um you know she was it wasn't it, we couldn't tell whether she was gonna make it to the delivery room or not oh i mean uh, i don't know i wasn't there it sounds pretty boring and horrific <laughs> so well you were there at one point uh, i guess <laughs> not willfully yeah i don't know that i had any uh any funny story i think it's my sister and i can ask her in the next episode where when she was born the hospital was overrun with raccoons oh my god that's amazing to another hospital i might be completely making that up but for some reason that story sticks out in my head um yeah i don't have anything like that in my family it's just more like umbilical cords wrapped around necks oh god things like that i mean it happens they yeah. get all twisted up in there it's scary it's a scary thing for a parent my mom went like by her fourth kid hopefully she never listens to this <laughs> she was just like that but Daryl was so good i didn't feel anything <laughs> uh i'm planning to have my mom on the podcast what? At a certain point. I've she, never met Mrs. Moore. What is Mrs. Moore like? She's, you can listen to her on the podcast. She's nice. She's a nice lady. You don't want to say anymore. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to, it's like hard to describe your own parents. Like she's uh, hardworking. She's funny. She likes drinking wine. Well, cheers to that. <laughs> my kind of lady. <clears throat> yeah, I've, she and my dad are very eager. I mentioned to them, they will at some point be guests and they've already like read the books. I'm like, you guys, it's going to be a while. (laughs) You're going to forget. Loving parental support. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see what they think. They might, (laughs) they might give me some notes at the end. 
Okay, so let's get into this. We have Liz Lewis and Michelle Patterson, who oh, yeah. are maybe the smartest eighth graders in Stony Brook. Oh, these, yeah, for sure. These are real, like, uh, capitalists that see an opportunity in the market and rush to fill it. Yeah. Um, so they've created the Babysitter's Agency, which is, they're a little bit ahead of their time on the gig economy, where they're basically shopping out. They coordinate the job. They give the job to someone else, and then they take a percentage of the profit, mm-hmm. which I think is a very smart business model. And then I think oh, later yeah. in the book, they've already started another business where girls are giving them money to make them prettier. Is that what it was? Yeah, like makeover stuff. They just moved right on. They're like, fine, whatever, not worth it. And I was like, I appreciate the hustle, even in my anti-capitalist black little heart. Yeah. I think that's, I think most people would describe the capitalist as the black heart. I like black, so it's not a bad connotation to that color for me. Sure. Sure. (laughs) I don't have much else to say. I don't have much else to say about that. Uh, So, yeah, so they have started this, this rival organization. And what they really seem to have going for them is the fact that the kids that they get are older. So mm-hmm. they can stay out later. They're more often available. And for younger babies, uh, they, that's what the parents prefer, apparently. So it becomes this really interesting economic study where there's this new uh, corporation in the market that is offering like a different, a less trusted, but like a different set of services that may be more attractive. And now all the parents of Stony Brook need to like weigh their loyalty to these four 12 year old girls versus the convenience of being able to get the hell away from their kids later at night. Mm-hmm. And I also think it's interesting because Christie's whole thing when she started this club was convenience. Like she was so tired of her mom having to call around. There's a central number she can just call and get these sitters whenever she needs them. But now Christie's being challenged by someone who's providing potentially an even more convenient service. And uh I think Christy is, is just more mad she didn't think of something like this. But then there's this other dimension, if you'll permit me to finish this rant, there's this other dimension where they're concerned about the welfare of the children. And I think it's a little bit of a slippery slope where it sort of starts with like, oh, the babysitter ignores me and just watches TV. And if I'm a parent, it's sort of like, oh, okay, like my kid could be bored for a few hours. I don't really care if I can get a cheaper older babysitter but then it turns into like they're smoking and they're like letting the children run around outside unsupervised uh so at a certain point i guess i don't know the economic terms but you would think that there would be a tipping point where it is no longer advantageous to use this uh more unreliable service uh so all this to say there are just so many factors flying around that i really enjoyed reading through this drama did you have any uh, thoughts or anything to add about that Hmm. Well, I mean, like, I don't, hmm, any thoughts about the drama? I Were you as gripped as I was, I guess is the question. By, yeah. By the machinations of the Stony Brook babysitting scene. Yeah, I mean, Although Christy at one point eventually seemed very paranoid to the point of like, slow it down. Yeah. Um, 
you know, she her fears weren't wrong because they even had this whole plan to infiltrate and blow up the babysitters club. So I mean, like that's some pretty sophisticated stuff for a bunch of thirteen to fifteen year olds. Yeah, twelve. They're twelve, 12. The babysitters. Yeah, and yeah. they they both attempt to practice some corporate espionage. Um, I thought it was interesting. The idea originally came from Marianne. It's always the quiet ones. Um, I want to know more about Marianne. I'm concerned about her. Yeah. And yet intrigued. Yeah. Can you tell me more? <laughs> you sound concerned about a lot of these people. Can you tell me more about your concern for Marianne? What is that rooted in? Um, let's see. Did I mark anything? I just, I mean, like, there was some darkness sprinkled throughout. I mean, like, it got pretty dark with Stacy when she's like, miracles don't happen to her parents. But, I mean, Marianne is just, like, the way, like, her father was so controlling over her and she's, like, terrified to be even five minutes late. Yeah. And, like, the bra- her, she has to wear her hair in braids and, like, the mysterious circumstances around her mother's death. Oh, no. Um... <laughs> And then, like, when she picks up with Mimi, you know, and she starts knitting with Mimi just to have some sort of love, I'm just... And then she's, like, the quiet one, too, right? Mm -hmm. The quiet Mm -hmm. one with the good ideas, but I'm just... I'm concerned about her. I feel like somebody should have been like, Marianne, are you okay? The braids thing, I think, is a little creepy, that her dad always makes her wear her hair in braids. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure if I, when I was 12, if my dad had to try try to say, have any say in how I wore my hair, I'd probably tell him to fuck himself. <laughs> but yeah, because you were a shy introvert, right? That's what we've heard about your past. I never said shy, just introverted. <laughs> yeah, uh, was there a particular reason you would lock yourself in the bathroom to read the books? I don't know. I just like. I had my own room was the weird thing because like, you know, my brother, my older brother and I had separate rooms, but I always slept like in his room because we're only a year and a half apart. Um, Well, until like middle school and then it got weird, but, um, (laughs) but I always had my own room, but I never spent time. Like it used to be a punishment. Like my mom would say, don't make me send you to your room, Nicole. And I'm like, okay. Um, But I don't know what it was. It's just like nobody could come in. It was cool and quiet and the fan was on. Yeah. I would just like lay in the bathtub. I don't know. Did you? Do you have any weird reading well, habits? I, I, it wasn't reading. I was perfectly happy to read anywhere in the house. I see what you mean for like when you're younger, like this was like middle school age, right? You're talking about. Or even like. Or even younger. Eight, probably like eight Yeah, I always, like, when I got old enough that I, like, didn't, like, when it became, like, oh, let me take a bath or shower by myself, mom and dad, you know, like, six or seven or eight or whatever age that is, I liked the fact that I would, like, go into the bathroom, I could lock the door, and, like, you turn the shower on, but then, like, you know, do you get in the shower, do you not get in the shower, it doesn't matter, like, you're the king. Do you lip sync in the mirror for a little while? You're the king of that room, (laughs) and, like, no one is gonna bother you, so I think I understand that psychologically. I think I used to do, like, I would, I would, and still sometimes do take like a 20 minute shower where like some of the time I'm just like sitting there thinking because I know that I won't be disturbed. Yeah. I mean, that's how I write it all. I mean, like 
during our comps. Sorry uh, for the our PhD uh, comprehensive exams. comprehensive exams. Yeah, that were three days, twenty four, three different. We had to write like a total of sixty pages. Yeah, ninety pages. I was going to ask you uh, if someone had passed their comp exam or not. I'll ask you off air. Ask you okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like I was texting Aaliyah. I know I was texting you throughout it too. Yeah. But I mean, like when I'm stuck, I get in the showers and like Aaliyah is kind of similar too. So yeah. it's like, we're like I've taken like five different showers at this point. My skin is like flaking off <laughs> and just like mounds. I was a pretty feral person at that i was just sitting on the floor i mean like surrounded by stacks of books just crouched over my laptop in a corner like yeah that was a rough time that was a rough time i don't like to revisit it anyway Uh, let's get back to the story i'm going to uh give you the check derailing you're like no no (laughs) the, the whole gimmick here is that it's really to learn more about the guest through the guise of the babysitter's club book oh so this is the content we want is to have a productive conversation share our thoughts to reveal my term like my chronic illnesses and how (laughs) i deal with sure (laughs) whatever Whatever helps you, Nicole. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to give you a quick checklist of how they describe uh, Liz Lewis and Michelle Patterson, those kind of girls, I believe they say. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. want you to tell me which of these apply to you, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, Smart mouth. Um, I think you have a better judge of that than me. I think it's a double check mark. I think it's you (laughs) and it's me. Uh, Sassing teachers. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, more in college than in, like, primary school, secondary school. Yeah, I was afraid of them. Yeah. Well, I just, like, that was, like, because I moved so much as a kid. Like, teachers were, like, the one constant. So I was just always the weird kid that was, like, I don't want to go to recess. Can I pass out papers in people's mailboxes? Can I help you grade? Uh Can I help you do stuff? And so. then you became a graduate student. And oh, then I became a, a college student. And then I, <laughs> I like logged into my old university email and read some of the things that I wrote to professors. And I was like, <laughs> I would have slapped the shit out of me. I think they deleted, UCI I think gave us like five years and then they deleted our, so I, I lost everything that was in my UC Irvine email account. I was such a shithead. <laughs> Okay. I, I think we could all go two for two with you on that one. Uh, hates school. It doesn't sound like it. Uh, I mean, if you asked me 10 years ago versus now. <laughs> you asked me during PhD <laughs> comp exams. And finally, hangs out at the mall a lot. I mean, I did as a kid. Yeah. Malls don't really exist anymore. Yeah. And the time that we're in, it's probably not a good time to go to the mall anyway. Yeah. That's too, that made me that made me sad again. Did you hang out at the mall as a teen? Though? Well, remember, I'm from like a very small Northern California town. Closest mall is like 40 minutes away. So if I'm going to the mall, my parents are driving me there, and it's it's not going to be such a fun afternoon with my buddies. My mom used to just drop me off. She would drive me 40 minutes to the mall, and then like give me her cell phone, and then say, "Call me when you want picked up." That's awesome. I think my parents, oh, I found another adjective I can use for my mother. Uh, Overprotective when I was younger, Uh, uh, perhaps. And I think maybe that explains why I read every single Babysitter's Club book 
as a young boy. I mean, uh, there wasn't much else to do. There's also a lot of freedom that Stacy has. It could be pretty, probably therapeutic to see. I don't know. Yeah, we've talked a lot about what the 12-year-old children in this town are able to get away with as they have, like, complete autonomy, basically, unless you're Marianne Spear. Yeah, I mean, this is the era of the latchkey kids. Yeah. I mean, I was, when I was, like, their age in the, what, early 2000s, I was left alone with my little brothers all the time Mm -hmm. as a 12-year-old, 13-year-old. Yeah, I probably babysat for my younger sister around that age. But I think it's different when it's your house and your sibling. Because they know if you... Yeah, I used to babysit, like, people in the neighborhood, though, too. And they would be there until, like, midnight. Did they pay you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Did your mom pay you? No. Yeah, I think that's another reason that they are more lenient when it's your own sibling. They don't have to pay you. And if you screw up, they can ground you or whatever. Oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll just uh, quickly go through some of the, the machinations here. Uh, okay. We've already mentioned Marianne is, is, it's her idea first for this corporate espionage. Christy calls up the babysitter's agency posing as Candy Kane. And she has a date with her boyfriend, Winston Churchill. So she needs a babysitter. Yep. What did you think? Uh, nicely done, Christy. Way to think quick under pressure. What did you think of this uh, plan? Let's see. Okay. Well, the follow through, the original idea, great. The follow through. mm. Christy could use an improv class, I think. Yeah. Or just, you know, like five minutes, take a breath, Christy. (laughs) You know, before you immediately act, just plan it out a little bit more and say, like, I do have to have a name. But, you know, they're also 12. So... I mean, we definitely, prank phone calls and all that kind of stuff was, you didn't plan it. You were just like psyching each other up. Yeah. That was, what was your favorite prank phone call to make? Boys. Oh, what would you, what would you, I, I, I'm nervous to even ask. What did these phone, how did they go? <laughs> can you, can you give me like a, a little summary? How did these usually work? Um, well, so like if do you want me to be the boy? Can we role play it? Like like if it was I, Christy on the phone? I think it's easier to tell the scenario okay. rather than like go we didn't have like a script or anything. Okay. And like, you know, by the time we were teenagers, we had cell phones, so it was more texting. Yeah. Um but when we yeah, especially when we had cell phones, like my girlfriends and I, like if we were having a sleepover and somebody liked this one boy or something you would get the phone number from their phone and then text them from like a number they wouldn't recognize and then just say like especially if the guy had stopped responding um to text from the girl then you would see you would like text the guy from a different number and see if he responded just to see if he was you know ghosting yeah i was thinking about this the other day i think we are both in our, well, we're now in different decades of our lives, but I'd like to think we're both in our late 20s, even though one of us isn't anymore. Um, and I think that I think that children and teenagers of the current generation would be shocked and horrified the many, like, technical tricks that we developed, like, in the late 90s, early 2000s, that I think have been lost to time with all the, like, social medias and... Uh, and just these new technologies. But I think they've just morphed, like less, I mean, not to sound like, you know, 
new technologies were always old or anything Everything like old that. Everything old is new again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like people make fake Instagram accounts. They make like fake profiles to, you know, do the same kinds of things. It's yeah. just like their skills adapted and they almost have to be more creative because there was at least some more anonymity. Like your device was like your cell phone was not connected to like your identity as much back then. So, I mean, yeah, you didn't, it couldn't be quite as elaborate because, you know, T9 was, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> T9 was pretty restrictive in like how much effort you wanted to put into a text. But um, I don't know. It seems like they've only gotten more creative. Did you ever do that thing? And I'm like horrified that I even remember this. And I think, again, modern generations would be horrified where you are like talking to your friend on the phone like you and I are talking and then I will use three-way calling to call like let's say Rachel and mm. she won't know that you're mm. on the line so I'll be like oh Rachel that Nicole's a real piece of work huh I bet you hate her and like try to get them to say mean things the Regina George move did that happen in Mean Girls oh yeah oh uh, yeah okay I I thought that I was like way ahead of my time but I mean I did it before Probably right on time yeah. yeah I mean maybe you were the inspiration I have definitely done that at least once and had that happen to me at least once I think I've been no. on both ends of that in the early 2000s I didn't like roll with a click really I was like more of a piecemeal kind of like grabbing friends from different circles which didn't work well for me dating wise because like mm. I mean, in my high school, the logic was, and I know we're moving from middle school to high school. Like, yeah. well, I thought girls are basically in high school yeah. by modern standards. So freshman year, I sat next to this girl named Nicole and we became friends. We were both Nicole S's. Okay. It did not last. We are not friends anymore. There can but only be one Nicole S. Yeah. And it's me, bitch. Um, oh, she's actually going to be on the podcast next week. <laughs> Now she's Nicole Yu. She finally got her dream of meeting a husband. Um, you sound so, salty. <laughs> well, okay. So the first day, like when we started becoming friends, it was in like science class. She's like, all right, next year we have to learn. We have to like find a click to join or else we'll never have boyfriends. And I'm like, hmm. Pass. Um, I was just like not into it. You know, I was like, I'm going to be friends with who I want to be friends with. And yeah, and that's healthier. So I wasn't really one to be like in on these sort of like inner political workings of groups. Well, I think that's what made uh, uh, this. Uh, <laughs> we should get back on track. This will be the last thing I say about it. <laughs> I was not in like a clique either. And I think if I had been in a larger group, we I like to think we would have been nicer to each other. I think I was similar to you, like with a lot of these other weirdos who like to like do this kind of thing to each other. And I got swept up in it. No, it was like the opposite. My experience, it was just like the like the level of shit I had to deal with on the outside from mm -hmm. like, you know, because I was like maybe the one friend some of these people had outside the clique or whatever. I was just like, this is some bullshit yeah. that nobody has to deal with. But I'll help you. <laughs> and then we got to grad school and it was all the same all over again. Yeah, all over again. <laughs> Okay, uh, so let's see. Uh, a couple other things I wanted to mention. Did you notice how many emergency meetings there were in this book? I mean, it seems like we just needed to get rid of the term emergency and just say we're calling a meeting since 
there was no rhyme or regularity to those meetings. I, well, it's supposed to be Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. But, and I think uh, Stacey even calls out, or someone calls out uh, Christy, like in one of those journals, like Christy will call an emergency meeting at the drop of a hat. And I was like, yes, but if yes. Stacy calls one. It's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. I counted three emergency meetings and one triple emergency meeting. I don't understand what it means by triple emergency meeting, but. <laughs> I think Christy is just losing her mind and like, uh, it's a level 10 meeting or something like that, you know? I mean, like, it was a very twist and turny kind of endeavor that maybe took place over a few weeks. Mm. So. Yeah, I didn't pay attention to the timeline. I would, well, I know we flash forward to the end because then it's Christmas by the end of the book, right? Yeah, we had like Thanksgiving and then we had Christmas. Yeah, the snowflake dance. We didn't even get to hear much about that. I was like. I'm like, who is this, what, Pete guy all yeah, of a sudden? Yeah, a, a couple of quick uh, love interest notes. Yeah, Stacy is apparently dating Pete Black, um, who is very briefly mentioned in the previous book. I also got in a bit of a debate with Rachel about whether Trevor Sandborn and Claudia were still going to be together. And I think, I think Rachel was right, because it, it did seem like they were still together. I thought she wasn't into him. Like I said, I don't remember anything about Claudia in this book. That's okay. It's in, <laughs> this podcast will be a no Claudia zone. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, let's see. Oh, and then of course there's uh, Hunky Sam, Christy's older brother that Stacy's oh, yeah. with. Yeah. She thought their jaws fell off when they saw each other the first time. I'd like to have seen that. Have, has your jaw ever fallen off when you saw somebody? Um, I think it's still on my face currently, so I would say probably not. Can confirm. <laughs> we have a video going. I can confirm. Um, so babysitters come up with a list of things that they're going to do in order to win back business. This is the new business plan. Here we go. Point one, we're going to do housework for free. No other, uh, no other charge for that. Uh, number two, we're going to give our best clients deals. They were very vague about that. I don't really know what that means. Number three, the Kid Kit. The birth of the Kid Kit, Nicole, is right here in this book, which will become a Babysitter's Club institution. Uh, number four was lower rates. I didn't really know how that was different than the deals. It, it sort of seemed like the same idea. And then number five, we're going to recruit, this is my favorite, we're going to get Sam, Charlie, and Janine to be honorary members, the older siblings. Um, Dole is Dishwater Janine and Hunky Sam are going to help us babysit. That never really comes to pass. though. No, it doesn't. Yeah. I would have liked to see that. I would have liked to see the battle between Dulles Dishwater, Janine, Hunky Sam, and Stacy, the one who seems to know all the gossip. I kind of think that they should let Janine babysit for Charlotte if Charlotte's whole thing is that she's not challenged enough and Janine is like a genius. That seems well, like a good match to me. But Charlotte just needed a friend. She didn't need a tutor. She didn't need... <laughs> A babysitter, she needed a friend. Yeah, don't we all? Don't we all? Well, I'm sure if we skip her a grade, that'll fix everything. Yep, that'll make her, that won't make her at all be a target. <laughs> the girl who got moved in because she was too smart. Um, it also seems like her parents are maybe some of the richest people in Stony Brook, just from the description. Her mom is like the chief Doctor. of surgery or something yeah. at Stony Brook. I mentioned this in the last 
podcast, and I need to stop repeating myself. How big is Stony Brook? They mentioned how small it is. It has a general hospital and a university, as we have learned previously. But not a mall. They had to drive 40 minutes away from the mall, which I want to talk about the mall. Um, (laughs) Go for it. What do you want to say about the mall? What kind of fucking mall is this? It has a petting zoo, four movie theaters, a very vague reference to exhibits. Like, have you ever been in a, like a arcade, video arcade? Like the Mall of America? Who is this that went to the mall? Where, where in the book are you thinking of? Um, it was page 70. Oh, page 70. <laughs> All our listeners, careful turn, notes. turn your books to page 70 as we read aloud. Uh, let's see. So they had taken me to Washington Mall, which is about half an hour away. Okay, not 40 minutes, but half an hour away so from about Stony right. Brook. This is Stacy and her parents. Yes. For some reason, the day after Thanksgiving is the biggest Christmas shopping day of the season. I don't know why. I don't know why. This is why you're getting your ass kicked by the other agency. You guys don't know business. (laughs) Gotta know the markets. But I love to shop, so I thought the excursion would be fun and would help take my mind off the babysitter's agency. She oh, needs I a spa see. day. Yeah. Christy had told me all about Washington Mall. It's the biggest one around with five levels of stores. Okay, check. A zillion restaurants and food stands. Check. Four movie theaters. That's a lot. A video game arcade. A petting zoo. And an exhibit area. What? I have never been to a mall with a petting zoo. <laughs> like, this is like not even Mall of America level. I... Washington Mall. <laughs> I mean, RIP, it's probably a great mausoleum of junk at this point. Are the exhibits, could they just be like, you know how some malls have like stupid, like public art statues? Is that maybe That wasn't a thing in the Midwest, so I don't know. Mm. <laughs> Come on, every mall, you've got like benches and like stupid sculptures that don't look like anything. They're just like grimy jungle gyms that were like breakfast cereal sculptures that children played on and (laughs) that sounds like exhibits to me those are exhibits uh (laughs) exhibits of grimy children (laughs) uh uh just so we don't lose it uh the kid kits so this is the idea that christy has where whenever you babysit you're going to take a box with you i guess i'm picturing like a banker's box i don't really know what kind of box they're using and they're going to decorate it, and they're going to... Oh, I'm... Okay, like a, like a briefcase. A briefcase? They're professional babysitters, okay? I guess so. Uh, but they decorate them. Did they decorate the briefcases? Yes. Bedazzle okay. the shit out of it. Your kid kit can be a briefcase. <laughs> Perfect. Um, and they just fill it with, like, books and toys and stuff, and the kids love it. It's genius. It's a great idea that Christy had. Yeah. yeah. And this will be a staple of the series. They're always going to be talking about their kid kits. And I mean, like, great spinoff line for the Babysitter's Club merch. Kid kits. Buy your own kid kit. Was that a thing that you could do? Oh. Worth looking into whether Anna Martin knew her market. Yeah. Well... But I a- definitely, I definitely remember being inspired by kid kits, though, and I was like, for my little brothers, I'm gonna start putting together some kid kits. Yeah, how'd that go? Terrible. They hated everything. Do you think we could get one of your little brothers uh, for an episode of the podcast? I can ask him more questions about when you used to babysit them. No. Nicole's face <laughs> is frozen, and her jaw fell off. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a couple of other notes. Uh, they usually get 14 to 15 jobs a week. Can that be right? Yeah, they are busy. I and think- I like how in the beginning they were like, we don't have time to make this like schedule so that we can be around for when the baby is birthed. But yet there are like 15 jobs. Like, yeah. Stacy does a double header at one point. I think the, oh yeah, we're going to talk about that because she breaks the club rule and no one seems that mad. Um, yeah, I think it, it just goes back to what I was saying about the Newtons. I think the parents in Stony Brook are taking advantage of the the labor and these four girls, like deep, almost like, uh, I don't know what the word is, but almost like, uh, oh, I can't think of the word, but their deep love, almost obsession for babysitting. Yeah. And you would think that it, like maybe it's a good thing that there's another agency in town to give you guys a little bit of a break. Yeah. Yeah. Because they need to go do like kids stuff. I mean, they're just like, they're like tiny 17-year-olds. They're like <laughs> tiny 23-year-olds. I don't know which is worse. Yeah. But I mean, they're just, they need time to be kids. And yet they're just like. No, being a kid is the worst thing you can do in the Babysitter's Club universe, as we've learned. You don't want to be a baby. They're, they're all very afraid of being called babies. Oh, yeah. They don't want to be babies. Yeah. They're uh, babies. So then the, uh, let's see. What were the names? I wrote them down and they were so forgettable. Liz and... Michelle. Liz and Michelle. Liz and Michelle. They're taking it to the next level. It's very multi-level, multi-layer marketing of them, where they're recruiting around the school, promising fast money. Uh, It's an interesting business model. This is where we have the triple emergency meeting. Christy decrees, we need eighth graders. We need those eighth graders. Yeah, it was a gasp moment. I marked it at 68, where it's like, (laughs) the babysitter's club was going to increase its numbers. It's very exciting. We're going to add people. And this is, of course, where we end up with who turns out to be the second instance of corporate espionage. Janet Gates and Leslie Howard are mm-hmm. going to be made honorary members of the Babysitter's Club. Janet is the one that's always chewing gum. Uh, and uh, Stacy is quick to make fun of Leslie's makeup and hair. So I don't know how good of a role model example these babysitters are a lot of the time when they're describing the girls that are not in the babysitter's club but um they also fat shame mrs newton later did you see that where after she has the baby oh yeah he's like well i thought she'd be skinnier by now it's like stacy jeez i wrote in my notes jeez give mrs newton a break (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh so i mean stacy is pretty judgmental overall yeah, I think we just got to beat the New York out of her a little bit more. She's still got the the big city mentality, and we got to, like, really bring her down to the Stony Brook level. But, like, we don't even know what the Stony Brook level is, because right now it sounds like a bunch of rich white parents, like, manipulating children to do menial work. So, I don't know if I want her to come to that level. Yeah, hmm. <laughs> Not so sure. In some, it sometimes Stony Brook seems like a a very idyllic setting, and sometimes it seems like it's uh, got some weird underbelly that it's like seething with. So I don't know, something to track. Um, let's see. Yes, this is where as Stacy does the double header, as you mentioned. Um, I did notice that she stole that Johansson job without asking anyone else. You're not supposed to call the sitter directly. That's a big no-no. 
which will loom large uh, actually in the next book. They get in a big mm. fight about this. Mm. Sorry, I read two books in a row for today. Well, they're setting it up. I can see them set it up towards the end. Otherwise, why would they? Yeah. Why yeah. would Aunt Ms. Martin kind of like bring up this snafu? This, up until this point, you know, like Stacy had been really good. I mean, she had clearly communicated she'll do anything for the club. Um, so. I guess when the parent calls you directly, it might be a little trickier to like push back against Dr. Well, especially since she's gone through this whole fact-finding mission where she's the one that's like found the kid in the street and then like the cigarette hole in the chair. So I think she's like, I deserve this. Yeah. So, <laughs> so as we alluded, uh, things start very small where Jamie is just like, oh, my babysitter doesn't even like me. And Charlotte too, that the babysitters don't spend any time with her. Um, Charlotte talks about this awful girl in her class, Ellie Morris. It's like, my sister hates you. She only babysits you for the money. Um, so the Morrises seem like, like real pieces of work. Uh, but then it culminates where they find Jamie Newton out in the street. It's snowing. No hat, no mittens. Could have gotten hit by a car or kidnapped. Uh, they go through this sort of moral dilemma. What do we do? Do we tell on the other agency? And eventually the adults convince them to do the right thing. You got to make the parents aware when it becomes a safety issue. What did you think about this, this turn of events? I probably wouldn't even told the parents. I just would have told. I don't know. It was a little bit. I don't think the by the parents relationship with the babysitters club and agency. I don't think they're going to do all these machinations of like, oh, they're just trying to undercut their competition or their sore loser. So mm. I don't know. I just I think that. There was a kid in the street, and they probably should have just told the parents. It's definitely a case where all of these middle schoolers are thinking about this way more than any of the parents. Yeah. Who just want, like, some goddamn time to themselves once in a while and don't yes. want their kid to be, like, murdered. So, yeah, I think it's like, yeah, fine. Let me know if, if my kid is in the street, please. Yeah. And I really thought at this point, Christy was like, she's, she's got such a hair trigger. I thought she was going to like, okay, we're, we're going to kidnap Jamie to teach this oh, babysitter geez. a lesson because then the, it's on the babysitter, right? It's like, she's the one that's going to get in trouble and they can just sort of like, you know, get, put Marianne Spear out there with her big, innocent eyes and her braids. Like, oh, I just found him. And I thought he, that you knew where he was. I guess maybe that babysitter really sucks. I thought they could have played it even more Machiavellian than they did. You really think Christy is breaking in this book, don't you? She's going nuts in every new chapter. She's I mean, it's a far jump to go from kid in the street to kidnap the kid. They're just borrowing the kid. They know Jamie. Jamie knows them. They're not going to scar the kid. They're only going to scar the babysitter. And they're going to teach the mom a lesson. No, you're not on board. <laughs> I never, I never th thought through that plot line of, like, when I was in that area, I was not like, just take the kid. Um, I wasn't rooting for that to happen. <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> I was saying that that would have worked. 
I think that would have worked. And I think it would have fit with Christy's character. It would have been a more satisfying climax rather than just like tell your parents that bad things are happening and then there's this wave of like, oh my gosh, thank you for being the responsible 12-year-olds. Which the parents are just like, okay, my kid doesn't like this one. That they almost got him, got one kid killed. So yeah, I guess we'll go back to the crazy obsessed babysitters club. Um, yeah, and I mean I'm making fun of it, but I do think it is an ad- accurate reflection of when you are 12 and these things seem like such a big deal to you and to like actual adults. It's just like just give me enough information so that my kid isn't like murdered and otherwise leave me alone. You know, like. But do you think that that's that's like how it would work today with the whole like helicopter parenting don't you think there's like even more vetting of babysitters and like we have like i don't know well that's why i think because i think the the beauty of the babysitters club and i think the thing the club not the book series and the thing that gives it its realism is that it does feel like there's sort of like a select group of parents in stony brook that have like have learned enough and know enough to just like implicitly trust all four of these people. And it's just like a load off their mind. And that's why I think it's so strange that they, so many of them when they just immediately like move over, I think that's the unrealistic part. And I also think it's unrealistic that like Christy would freak out. Like you probably don't want a lot of these jobs from these random people. And I think it's sort of like she just sees hypothetical money and work going away and she's not focusing on the fact that they already have such a iron grip on the parents that they work with that just maintaining that level is is good enough i think but at one point they didn't right like they were getting there were meetings where no calls came in and that's the other part that i think is unrealistic that just all of the sudden yeah like oh we can we can get other people like it just seems like there's such a bubble of trust these parents have with these like sweet girls that have proven themselves to be like obsessive about being good babysitters. Like, I don't know where you're going to get, I don't know. That was the part that was interesting to me. And that's why this whole book was so interesting to me because it really let us get in all the heads of like, of what's going on in Stony Brook. I still don't know what's going on in Stony Brook other than We've got some great entrepreneurs. Yes. We just saw an opportunity to cannibalize a mom and pop business. <laughs> Run them out. Run them out of business. Run them out of business. I mean, like, really, in this day and age, those two girls go on Shark, like Liz and Michelle go on Shark Tank. Yeah. Applauded. Yeah. Uh, They're the Jeff Bezos of Stony Brook. Like, oh, God. In you all might- the good and bad ways. <laughs> And then everything is really just tied up with a neat bow at the end where it's like, oh, thank you for letting us know. We'll never use them again. They're even like, oh, Kathy Morris, like she found another job that she likes more. She's going to work in that creepy old lady's candy store. Murdered. Who cares about Kathy Morris? I hope so. Um, Murdered. The Newtons are like, oh, well, we did find one 17-year-old boy. We'll keep him for when we need late nights. But otherwise, it's back to you. Like, what are you, you're, you're really damaging these girls psychologically with these games you're playing, Mrs. Newton. But to play devil's advocate there, should they be so invested in babysitting as their, like, entire reason for living? No. <laughs> the answer is no. 
So, like, in some ways, we could also question their parents, where they're like, maybe three times a week meetings and, like, babysitting every night is not healthy. Um, yeah. So, I wonder, I think, and I think this is interesting, too, because I think every parent probably has their own, like, motivation. Like, I think Christy's mom, Edie Thomas, is, uh, I think she's probably just happy that Christy's got, like, an outlet for her, like, insane like, okay, Christy, go, like, do this thing. Um, Marianne's dad, as we've already noted, is, like, a little bit of a psychopath. So I can totally understand why this is, like, an appropriate female job for his daughter babysitting. And it's uh, across the street where he can keep eyes on her. Exactly. Uh, Stacy doesn't seem to really... Stacy's parents don't really seem to care. Uh, Stacy seems to have the autonomy to just do whatever she wants. Yeah. Um, and he'll, especially with doctors, where she's making her own doctor's appointments at 12. I think Claudia's parents might be the interesting ones there that they're letting all these like girls in their house three times a week. I'm not sure. But I don't even remember like encountering Claudia's parents at all. It's just Mimi. Yeah. Uh, well, I forgot this was a no Claudia podcast, but yes. Oh, right. Uh, they really have nothing to do in this book. Their only character development too to this point is that they want Claudia to be like smarter and work harder. Is that some stereotyping going on? Mm, <laughs> I I think in every podcast. <laughs> that the, the three, yeah. The, the character traits of the Asian female characters are super genius, artistic, or like soft-spoken and wise. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I keep saying I'm not going to bring that up again and then I keep bringing it up. We'll wait for another Babysitter's Club Claudia chapter or book to revisit that, I guess. Who knows more about that than a white guy like me? Uh, I like the scene at the end where Christy and the Babysitter's Club want vengeance on Liz and Michelle and they like quiz them on all the babysitting charges, like allergies and preferences. This is, that is the person who would kidnap Jamie Newton to prove a point. This bloodthirsty Christy who wants to like land the final blow herself, I think. Yeah, I mean, it supports your kidnapping alternate ending. <laughs> but I don't know. I thought that was just like salt in the wounds. It was like a good moment for them that they were stepping up and being the mean girls for once. But it was yeah. also a little bit like, he's smarter than you. <laughs> Instead of just saying like, respect the hustle, but you've been outplayed at this time. Respect, but you've been outplayed. Christy should get a shirt that says that. <laughs> uh, she doesn't respect anyone's hustle but her own, though. Do you remember? I should have written these down so I could quiz you. The only one I wrote down, do you remember Charlotte Johansson's favorite television show? Scarlett Johansson? Charlotte. Charlotte. <laughs> is it not Johansson, their last name? Johansson? I think it is. I just uh, heard. Charjo, we'll call her. Charjo. Do you remember her favorite TV show? Um, it's Mr. Rogers. No, that's what they guess. And they say, Charlotte is almost eight. Like, she would not watch Mr. Rogers. She likes the Cosby show. She likes the Cosby show. Mm -hmm. That brings brings back great memories. Favorite show is the Cosby show. Yeah, and I mean, that's basically, that's what I consider, like, the real meat of the book. The Stacey stuff, though, we should probably touch on. Uh, yeah. Basically that she has diabetes and they want to keep taking her to Brando doctors in New York and she doesn't want to. And 
she gets Dr. Johansson to like make her an appointment with a different doctor. Like a really nice fancy ass doctor. Yeah. Is that in network? Is that an official referral that Dr. Johansson gave her? Or is this, what's the deductible? I have all these insurance questions. Gross. I don't want to talk about insurance. (laughs) Get your insurance out of my babysitter's club. I mean, Uh, clearly they were going to throw money at a quack. So I don't think they cared. In network, out of network. And it was just a consult too. He didn't actually examine her. Oh, that's four four figures an hour, I bet, for this guy. Yeah. (laughs) There was a real emphasis on how many diplomas the doctors had on the walls, which I thought was funny. <laughs> and then I thought, I was like, maybe she'd trust me one day. <laughs> how many diplomas do you have on your walls? Well, I've never put them on my walls, but I have three diplomas. Three diplomas. That's, uh, are you counting high school? No. Okay. Undergrad? I have two, I have two um, bachelor's degrees. You got two diplomas for that? Yeah. Oh, I guess they do give you that. Huh. And now you have the masters. We have yeah. the masters one. Yeah, I only have two. I guess you would be a better doctor than me. Yep. <laughs> um, and then, of course, there is the reunion with Lane Cummings, her former best friend. They had a falling out when she wet the bed when they were sleeping in it together. Is it real or is it pity right now? Is what real? Their rekindled friendship. And also, wasn't it kind of weird that they're like, we're going to stay with the Cummings? Like the parents. Yeah, uh, that was weird. I wonder what the parents' relationship is with Mr. and Mrs. Cummings. Swingers. <laughs> I was thinking it, but I wasn't <laughs> going to say it. Um, yeah, but at least this gets them back together. Uh, this is also just where we go through the whole story of Stacy. They moved her out of New York to Stony Brook to be better for her health. Uh, her dad, or did her dad want to transfer anyway? The Stacy stuff, to be honest, I was, was kind of boring. Well, yeah, because I feel like part of the like looping in of Stacy's stories to teach kids about like diabetes and like not treating people differently for like having chronic illnesses, which was what I remember from this book. Not so much the incredible plot line around the babysitter's agency. So I think it had to be a little bit more heavy handed. And I experienced, I was very surprised because when I went back to read, like, obviously these first four books are the, like, real iconic ones of the Babysitter's Club. Christie's Great Idea, Claudia Phantom Phone Calls, Truth About Stacy, Marianne Saves the Day. Oh, I remember Claudia Phantom Phone Calls. Now uh, I want to read it. Well, I have an audio, po- I have a, a podcast uh. file I can send to you where we talk all about it. <laughs> um, but in my head, it was like Stacy's diabetes was a mystery up until the third book. And then this book was like her coming out party. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. But they they do it in the first book. It's like, oh, Stacey has diabetes. That was the big mystery. And it's like, now we have to, again, like go through a book about Stacey and her diabetes. I don't know why they didn't. But like when you're a kid, you don't know what that means, you know? Like it's not. I feel like they cover it like pretty well in the first book. Cause she's always, it's mysterious for the first half where she doesn't want any of Claudia's candy. And then at the end, she's like, oh, I, you're going to think I'm a freak, but I have diabetes. And it's, it's sort of like a heartwarming moment. They're all like, no, we right. love you. We embrace you. We have just bought your blinding loyalty for the rest of your life to this club by being nice to you. So, yeah. Did they take a blood oath at the beginning of this babysitter's club? No, no blood oath. Was there a ceremony, though? Uh, there was a sleepover. 
Yes, that's ceremony. <laughs> um, yeah, and there were just, there were a couple moments in this book where, like, Stacy reflected on what being diabetic meant and, like, the thing in the candy store. But beyond that, it was really just about her reuniting with Lane and, I guess, like, having a, coming to an understanding with her parents about, like, being more communicative and working together more on her treatment. So I guess that's nice. Yeah, I mean, like, it didn't seem like she grew much. It was more like she's just acclimating to this new life because, like, she seems pretty strong from the beginning where she's just, like, I mean, the shade from even the beginning when she's talking about when they first learn about the babysitter's agency, she's, like, and certain traitors. Oh, yeah. Like, all (laughs) kinds of language like that. So, I mean, she seems to have a good grip of herself, you know, as far as, like, everything. It's just she's now in those early teen years, pre-teen years. Not even teen, yeah, 12. Exercising her autonomy. Although, let a 12-year-old wander around New York City by themselves probably never good (laughs) no she and lane uh what could be wrong with two 12 year old girls uh going out for the cafe and in central park by themselves a lot kidnapping (laughs) 1980s new york there's no safer place to be (laughs) oh god oh god uh yeah, and and you and well, and you said too that this was a book that taught you about like what diabetes was. So in that way, Anna Martin gets a win. Well, it's like you know you pretty much only hear about it when it's applied to like obese people, right? Mm-hmm. So like you don't really understand that there's two different types, and like right. one is about you know just a genetic thing that like is something that you sometimes learn to deal with as a young kid, and like. In elementary school, there was, like, a kid in my class that had leukemia. Um, And so I didn't even really understand what was going on with that. Like, all of a sudden, he gained a bunch of weight. He lost all of his hair. Mm -hmm. And then, like, he just, like, didn't show up for a while. So it was, like, as a kid, you just, like, don't understand any of this, like, medical things. Because you just assume everybody's – you assume, like, the default is, like, normal, healthy kids. Right. 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 Ableism. Yeah. Yeah. Much. And I think it's a little bit of like a, I don't know what you would call it. My, my dad has type one diabetes. I think I've told mm-hmm. you that. And so I knew about, I knew very well about diabetes before I even read these books. So Brandon Martin to have the bad luck to <laughs> work with the one disease that I was already like really familiar with. I was like, Oh, what's the big deal? Like, yeah, she's mm-hmm. diabetic. Let's so maybe that's one of the reasons why even to this day, I'm just a little bit bored by like her story because it never. Because you already had intimate knowledge about like dealing with type one diabetes. Yeah, and I know that like they're not like shape shifting monsters. Like, right. like it seems like they like children might be scared of. So. Well, yeah. I mean, it's scary. Like as a kid, I hated shots. Like I hated getting my blood drawn. Anything like they had to have like three orderlies hold me down to give me shots. Because <laughs> <laughs> I would run away and like fight them and scream. Um, that's like when I tried to get you on the podcast. That's what happened. Yeah, that's exactly the first. That's why we started 15 minutes late was I was just screaming and saying, I, had, I don't I had to call the orderlies in. Uh, my dad has these crazy stories of like when he was 
because he was born in the 60s and like when you know you have to give yourself injections they didn't have disposable syringes so he had glass syringes that they had to boil and reuse over and over again which just sounds like it's crazy how far medicine has come even in like 50 20 years well yeah it had to be scary like you know with all the stuff that because like you know a fear of like blood and blood contamination is like so recent yeah just from like aids and stuff like that so you know it must have been also scary going through all of those changes in like blood handling yeah and like having to have your blood drawn a lot probably like by doctors and like some people got like hep c just from like getting blood drawn and like not even in the hospitals and like doctor's offices they didn't you know use sterilized equipment disposable equipment mm-hmm. yeah this got dark yeah let's get back into i mean shit gets dark in this book too <laughs> I mean, miracles I, don't happen. I was I like think, about to tattoo that on my body. I think we're pretty much done. I wanted to end with a cheer. Ra, ra, sis, boom, ba, something, something, babysitter's club. Eh. That's the cheer that <laughs> Stacy uses at the end. Uh, mm. Was there anything else in the book that we didn't uh, hit on that you were interested in? Um, I noted that Stacy likes to use parenthetical asides almost as much as I do as a writer. Parenthetical asides. I didn't notice that. So at first I really resonated um, with Stacy's smart mouth, we'll call it that. Okay. Um, uh, what did you think of the big brother party? Well, I mean, I just, it was like, this is a great time since I just watched the big brother premiere. <laughs> I, was gonna, I-, <laughs> I was gonna ask, I had my own big brother party on Wednesday. Where was my invite? Well, it was mostly me watching it after Jillian went to bed at like yeah. midnight. That's what happened to me too. Yeah, it was exciting. Oh. Big Brother 22. Speaking of the devil. Oh no. Uh, your, uh, your significant other, your gentleman friend Chase has just entered the room. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Hello. He's, uh, this, he's making this face. Hello. hello. <laughs> did, his hello. Jaw, did his jaw fall off? Yeah. Okay. Well, we have a couple more things, but then if Chase wants to join us for the end game, he's more than welcome to. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, Big Brother Party, I thought was interesting. We can talk more about Big Brother when we're done here. <laughs> I'm not sure that's what they want to hear. A uh, couple other questions for you. What version of the book do you have? And... There's the original, and then there's the... What's on the cover of your book? Okay, so you have it's we have we have two different versions, which is exciting. Mm. But the two books depict the same scene: Stacy and a little girl in a candy store. Yep. Oh, sorry. Show it to me again. Oh, that's mine. Mine is severely uh, water damaged. My version of this book. Uh, what What do you think of the art on yours? Because I don't have yours in front of me. How well do you think the artist did? Why is, well, yeah, it's the candy store, right? Yeah, um, Polly's, Miss Polly's, something or other. I think it's pretty good. I like, I mean, pink and green, I'll probably never wear those two colors together, but yeah, I think it encapsulates s- 80s <laughs> vibe pretty well. Stacey also, a Kardashian um, pantry with all the individual containers of things. Is that a Kardashian pantry? Oh, my God. 
They like have zero packaging. I don't know if this is going to get you in trouble, but they just like take everything out of the. Like, Who's this going to get me in trouble with? The Kardashians. Oh, they're big <laughs> listeners of the podcast. <laughs> they're so into the Babysitters Club. You have no idea. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so they like popularize this whole idea of like basically putting everything into containers so that you don't have any of the like original packaging and like those kind of like stackable pop containers. So now everybody's redoing their and like they don't even eat food. So I don't know why they're doing it. But there's probably one person on their staff whose job it just is to keep the pantry that way, right? Yeah, and they always have to be all full. Like all the containers. So hmm. it's just like all for aesthetics. Was this covered on Keeping Up with the Kardashians or are these your own like theories? Um, it's a mishmash of mishmash of um the opinions uh, being reported here are Nicole's own and do not reflect the opinions of the Babysitter's Club podcast. The Babysitter's Club book club. Babysitter's Club book club. Babysitter's book club. I really need to get my own name Babysitter's down. book club. Babysitter's book club. Chase wants to know when his episode is. Well, we're going to see how he does in a minute when we bring him on. That'll be his test run. You have a test run. But he has to wait. He has to wait. We're not done yet. Uh, so um, okay. the back of my book, you're really missing out because mm-hmm. in the special edition... We have special photos, Babysitter's Club notebook pages, and a message from Anne M. Martin inside. Ooh. So I'd like to take you to the Babysitter's Club notebook pages that invite you to fill them out. And I thought maybe we could go over these really quickly just so I can get your answers. Okay. So the first page never changes. It's always the same questions. And then the second page is always specific to the book we just read. Um, hilariously, a lot of times when we order these used, they are already filled out. Uh, Rachel's book had a lot of answers already in them, including someone's full phone number was in there, uh, which we almost called, but we decided not to. Uh, This is actually a book that originally belonged to my cousin Jennifer, which is where I inherited all of these books that I have. So she filled this out a little bit. I'm going to try to get her and I'll try to read these back to her uh, in in a bit. She just bought a house, I think, in Virginia. Uh, Yeah, she's like how old is she? Uh, she wouldn't appreciate me saying. She's older than me. Uh, so this club notebook belongs to Nicole Strobel uh, or Jennifer Wilson. I can say her full name. That's fine. Uh, you are, oh, I have to ask you, you are blank years old, Nicole. I'm 28. 28. She wrote 11 and then she changed it to 13. The thing I like about this is that she updated it. So there are some <laughs> answers that have been changed. Uh, and you are in, which grade are you in? Um, the zillionth grade. Yeah, we figured this out. I think it's 21, I think, that we're in. Or it might be 22. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the name of your school is? University of... Oh, the School of Hard Knocks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when did you start reading this book? Uh, two days ago. And when did you finish reading it? Yesterday. Okay. Uh, the place where you read most of this book was the bathroom, right? Clearly. Yeah. What was your favorite part of this book? Um, I liked when Stacy was describing the way that her parents do not care what she wore most of the time. And I really was interested in her. I even wore red lace gloves with no fingertips. You know what? I- it, this is a bad job on me because I marked this and we didn't hit it. So let's go back really quick. This is okay. I, I like to stop down on the outfits when I can. 
Um, so yes, Stacy's parents let all sorts of things go by them unmentioned. Uh, can you just give me a, a quick thumbs up or a thumbs down as I read these things? Sure. The dinosaur on her beret. Thumbs, it's audio podcast. You have to say it. Thumbs, thumbs down. down. <laughs> the red sneakers covered with beads and glitter. Mm, thumbs sideways. Okay. <laughs> uh, leg warmers covered with footprints. At home only. <laughs> and plastic butterflies in her hair. I mean, those were a big thing in the 90s, so I'm going to have to say thumbs up just to, you know, validate 12-year-old Nicole. And this, this uh, for two weeks in New York, I even wore red lace gloves with no fingertips. We Hell actually, yeah. We talked about this in the last book because Sam, the hunky, Christy's hunky older brother, dates a girl who Christy describes as wearing gloves with no fingertips and the babysitters are all appalled and they really like look down on this poor girl but but here stacy says that she used to do that well in new york though that was new york stacy that was like madonna new york stacy not suburban washington mall stacy it's in connecticut (laughs) uh would you rather wear that outfit or a join the best club around sandwich board um, sandwich board, nothing else underneath. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Let's go back here. Uh, if I could change anything about the story, it might be the part where you already know mine. Kidnap Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> you just want to make it go dark, 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 deep, dark. My plan would um, <sighs> What would I change? I didn't think about this. Uh... I'd probably say the ending where everything just got like tied up so neatly. I don't know. Yeah. I'm bad at this. I mean, it was just like, it was like the end of some like 90s, um, you know, feel good movie where it was just like a montage of everybody just standing up and saying like the babysitter's club was right all along we're so sorry we're so sorry we judged you i liked that part Mm. uh we did this already your favorite character in the babysitter's club is marianne oh i thought it was stacy stacy is fine but like my cousin jen's favorite was marianne at this point Mm. You're more intrigued by Marianne. Interesting. Yeah. You can borrow any of my other books. Uh, I have them all here. <laughs> you want to keep going. Uh, the Babysitter's Club member you're most like. This is like a different question. Oof. Probably, unfortunately, Christy. <laughs> okay. No further questions. Uh, <laughs> you agree. <laughs> uh my cousin wrote in the Babysitter's Club member she is most like is Mallory. And they're, she's skipping ahead, but there was that Mallory sighting at the Big Brother party. Did you see that? No, I missed that cameo. They, they invite over the Pikes and Mallory's there. I don't think she gets to say anything, which is typical Mallory. But mm. ahead of her time, Mallory is at that, at that uh, party. If you could write a Babysitter's Club book, what would it be about? Oof. 
shitty kids. <laughs> like the worst babysitting experience ever where you have just like a mini serial killer psychopath kid and like how they deal with that. Because they only get good kids, which means that it's easy for them to look good. But I want to see what they do with... Yeah, I think especially in this book. There are definitely books that are all about, like, bad kids and certain chapters that are about them, but I think they're trying to paint the rosiest picture possible here in in this one. But, like, what is their level of bad? Like, I'm talking, like, kids that try to start fires when no one's looking. <laughs> Clinically bad children. Um, well, I told you about Jamie's cousin Rob, who hates girls, and right. constantly loudly proclaims, why do we have to have girl babysitters? Um, but they were able to wrangle him pretty easily. They just, like, ignored him, and, and that worked. So um, the next time a book comes up about a really bad kid, I'll make sure you get that one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do you want to hear what uh, Jen would have uh, written her Babysitter's Club book about? Yes. It would be about me and my club, the Unicorns. I have so many questions. I, there's no further information given <laughs> about the unicorns. I'll ask her when I get her on the podcast. Like, is it a fan club about unicorns? Like, because she studied my own club, right? Yes, me or and my it, club, comma, the unicorns. Or is it that they're all so unique? They call, e- they call themselves unicorns. But I feel like that connotation for unicorn only came around recently. So my inner heart says that they just sat around and talked about unicorns. I wonder if there was anyone else in this club, quite frankly. Maybe <laughs> I was in this club. I was young enough. I could have joined. Um, okay. Well, that's and, where your love of unicorns comes from, Jeremy. Notoriously. I have them all over my background. Uh, can, can you handle a couple more questions that are more specific to this book? Uh, yeah. How are you doing? Okay. Uh, oh, you can skip this one if you want. It's a little juicy. When Stacy first met the members of the Babysitter's Club, she was afraid to tell them that she had diabetes. What is a secret that you have? This sounds like a sassy question. Wow. <laughs> uh, don't jump ahead to the next thing without me, Nicole. <laughs> uh, what's the secret I have now or a secret I had as a It says a old. secret that I have is. You can answer however you want. If you don't want to share any secrets, that's fine with me as well. You can plead the fifth. Hmm. Nicole's secret is... The truth about Nicole. The truth about Nicole is... This shouldn't be this hard. No, that's okay. We can... Okay. You can think about that. We can come back. Here's what... We'll build on that. Who is the person you would tell your secret to? I guess I should probably say Chase since he's home now. In scenario. <laughs> Who's the person you would never tell your secret to? Um, Lisa Hahn. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Edit that out. She's gone. Uh, She's never going to listen to this. I don't do any we, editing. What kind of a podcast do you think this is? I'm just used to it when it's like, edit that out. Um <laughs> Who would I not tell my secrets to? Um, anybody at UCSB, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I don't trust any of them bitches. Uh, Stacy has to control herself from eating sweets and snacks. Christy has to be careful of her big mouth. Something that I have to watch out for is... 
free drinks. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> alcoholism, but I think we're on the same page with that. Uh, so Stacy got really good advice from Dr. Johansson. Mm-hmm. If I had a problem, the adult I would talk to is... Fuck adults, they don't know anything. Yeah, don't trust anyone over 30. Pretty much. No, I'm <laughs> probably, I don't know, my therapist. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. They're an adult. Okay, last one. The Johansons are a big part of Stacy's life. Charlotte Johansson is even like a sister to Stacy. I don't think yet, but I think that happens later. Mm. Someone who is like a sister to me is... Freya. Freya the dog. <laughs> Freya would be a good sister. Uh, I just want to quickly point out uh, there are a couple highlights here from Jen filling this out. The person she would tell her secret to, I can't really make out this name. It's like Korami. K- Korami! Is that a name? I mean, it is now in Korami. Queer Eye. Or no, that's oh. Karamo. She spells it two different ways in two different places, so it's very hard for me to tell. But what I like is that she has crossed that out and written Amber. Oh, never trust an Amber. Well, she would never tell her secret to Corey Minton. Oh, is that? Okay. I'm going to at him on Twitter after this. Or her. So the last question, someone who's, oh, maybe, but it's C-O-R-Y. Is that a boy? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Someone who is like a sister to me is, and it first says my best friend, Karami, which is then crossed out. And it says, ew, my best friend, Amber. <laughs> so I think she no. might have had a falling no. out with Karami. No, never trust an Amber. <laughs> no, Amber is the new best friend. Hi, Pooper. Uh, oh, you're talking to me? No, the fray. No, the dog. Uh, there's some other stuff back here. It's not so much fun if you don't have the book. There's some weird pictures of Stacy. There are ads to join the Babysitter's Fan Club. Are there are you ways in that? that you can buy the kid kits? Asking no. for a friend that might be myself. So if you joined the all-new Babysitter's Club fan club, not to be confused with the Babysitter's Book Club, this podcast, here's what you get. You get a hot pink digital watch. You get Ooh. a cool BSC mood ring. Ooh. You get BSC name and address book. And what? you get to hear Ann Martin on tape. Hmm. Plus the newsletter and a one-of-a-kind map of Stony Brook. Now, if it was like, you get a free book, maybe. Mm, I don't think the books, I think you have to buy those separately. Those are on the at page the, before this. They're three fifty dollars each. At the Scholastic Book Fair. Oh, yeah. That was a great time. Well, that's the truth about the babysitter. Oh, you froze. Okay, you're back. Oh, you got me okay? Yeah. I'm not editing anything. Uh, so we have one, do you have a few more minutes for one final game? So the Babysitter's Club, they like to end big occasions and celebrate with a sleepover. Uh, We like to similarly end by uh, kicking our shoes off and relaxing a little bit here with some fun sleepover activities. And Nicole, you nailed it. What's a better sleepover game than the sassy game? So you are so you've been just guinea picking us for the last few months. <laughs> so yeah, Rachel was very upset that this came up. Rachel hates the sassy <laughs> game. So what I have done, each card for the sassy game for some reason is numbered. So I am pulling out the numbered card that corresponds with the book that mm. you read. I'm sure this is fascinating for the listeners. So I have uh, the sassy card here. I thought we could just go through it. Does Chase want to join us for the sassy card? He took the dog for a walk, so. It's his loss. Okay. Yeah. 
So the first two questions are multiple choice and they have correct answers. Uh, the record is one for two now, shared by Jillian and Rachel on their first two questions. So you could really fly into the lead. Are you ready? Yes. Features. No. Yes. Features question. No Googling. Keep your hands where I can see them. Uh, Harry Connick Jr. sings and plays A, rock guitar, B, jazz piano, or C, bass. I think it's the piano, right? Uh, you want to go final answer? You can put your hands yeah. on I'm not really worried about it. Uh, piano, that is the right answer. He is not all about that bass. He plays the jazz piano. Very good. I'll have you know I've been watching a lot of Jeopardy lately, so a lot of useless <laughs> knowledge has come to the forefront of my brain. <laughs> and you're a grad student, so that goes with the territory. Yeah. Uh, quiz. What percentage of people who successfully give up smoking do so by going cold turkey? Is it A, 25%, B, 55%, or C, 85%? I'm going to say A. 25%. I, unfortunately, you're joining the one for two club here. Uh, 85%. You want to go cold turkey, apparently. Well, I mean, that's what Chase did. It worked. Yeah, I was kind of hoping he would be here for the question so we could yep. get him to weigh in on that. Uh, okay, uh, here we go. People in your life. So this is going to be multiple choice, but there's no right answer. It's just to okay. get to know you. The guy you like the most is A, in a lot of your classes, B, in a higher grade, or C, doesn't know you exist. Oof. Um, are we talking now, Nicole, or childhood, Nicole? <laughs> you can answer. However, I'm assuming the guy you like the most now is Chase. In which case, this question doesn't really apply. Yeah, but, he uh, wasn't in any of my classes. <laughs> um, I mean, if we're in the spirit of the book and going to 12-year-old Nicole. Okay. C does not know I would exist because I was a creepy motherfucker. It wasn't Corey Minton, was it? How did you know? <laughs> okay. Uh, what happened there? Did he ever know that you existed or did you just move on? Uh, no, I'm pretty sure he's married to, like, one of my friends Nicole, from Nicole, high school. <laughs> Nicole S? No, like, so, okay. I mean, like, I was super creepy to the point of, like, writing a note to him, offering to, like, tutor him in math and, like, spraying it with perfume. Wow. Um, And then, yeah, his friend kept, like, that said he was going to help me, like, try to get in with him. Um, he just started texting me for like nude pics. Oh my god, it was not fun, and it was even more funny because, like, when we were started college, he started like messaging me on Facebook all the time. And he was like, Yeah, I really liked you in high school. And I was like, Oh, I couldn't tell by the way that you asked me for like nude pictures all the time. Um, but the guy that I liked, he's now married to a girl that I was friends with. But, like, we're not friends anymore. Hmm. Not for any falling out, but, like, you know, time, space, shit. <laughs> time and space. Well, my family moved away from the town I lived in, so I didn't really see many people I went to high school with anymore. Right. You went Virginia, Michigan, Utah. Is that the trajectory? Uh, Virginia, Florida. No, Virginia, North Carolina, Florida, Ohio, oh Michigan. God. So this was all in high school, so in Michigan, and then 
five years in Lansing, which was an hour away from my hometown. And then they moved to Utah. Yeah. And now California. That's a wild trajectory, Nicole. Okay. Uh, Help. This is where you're going to help a sassy reader who has written in with her question for you. Dear Nicole, the guy I like is two years younger than I am. My friends make fun of me, but I really like him. How should I handle them? Kill them. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, probably shouldn't kill your friends. Um, who In cares? Yes, kill no. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'd say probably just do whatever makes you happy. I mean, if they're not, if they're your friends, they'll cheer you on. If they don't, the world is large. Yeah, I like that answer. Uh, the card says, tell your friends that age doesn't matter. Sensitivity and maturity do. Uh, I don't think any guys are sensitive or mature. So, yeah, I mean, I guess age doesn't matter in that way. <laughs> Rachel's, I mean, and I don't want to, I keep repeating content. Rachel's question was about a girl whose boyfriend was a bad kisser, but she really liked him anyway and rachel was like break up with him break up with him <laughs> i was like rachel she really uh, likes the guy where she's like nope 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 break up with him <laughs> yeah i mean nobody wants their whole face licked over and over and over again so just move on unless it's from your almost sister freya the dog yeah yeah my sister daughter <laughs> okay uh stuff you do pick another player you pick me to name a subject you're all into. What's a subject you'd say we are all into? Um, Big Brother. Oh, okay. Great, great. Uh, I need you to make up a little rap or poem about it, Nicole. Oh, fuck you. You have one minute. <laughs> I'll go for uh, Big Brother. It premiered last week. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we're passing on this one. <laughs> Babysitter's Club. It's really cool. You should babysit. Don't be a fool. Babysitter Agency. They're really mean. They like to hang out with Dola's Dishwater Janine. Word. Okay. Well, you didn't really help me out there. You really left me hanging. Okay. (laughs) Last question. It happened to me. What's the most dangerous thing that happened to you in the past year? How did you handle the situation? Um, I almost fell off a sailboat. (laughs) I don't think you told me anything about that. (laughs) So I went sailing with my friend that I met through the writing program. Okay. um, At UCSB. And she she got super into sailing during her last year of grad school. Because why not? And she met a bunch of uh, friends. So she invited me out sailing with um, this guy that she knew and it was like me and her and her roommate christian and it was a pretty windy day so this was around santa barbara is that yeah this this was in december um and we went out there were no other sales boats out nobody else was trying to go through it it was my first time sailing and i did not realize sailing is like a team sport You all have to, like, run to different sides of the boat and stuff like that. Yeah. And, yeah, I pretty much almost fell off a couple of times, but I didn't. Okay. We definitely ripped the mainsail on the way back in. Is that bad? Uh, Yeah. It's, like, 
the sail is <laughs> had a huge hole in it. The main sail. That makes sense. Um. Yeah, so it was pretty scary at some points, but it was pretty cool. We saw some dolphins. I definitely ached for like a week after that for holding on from dear life. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. sound enjoyable at all. It's fine. Yeah. All right. What did have you? What was your most dangerous situation, uh, Jeremy? I was worried that you were going to ask me that. Now I have to think about it. The most dangerous thing that happened to me. So I could be yes. passive. Well, I did get pneumonia also in last in December. In the last year. In the last oh. year. Oh, uh, right. I got I, it I had, again. I got it again. That's my lungs are not so good. Uh, it's a scary time too to not have very good lungs. But yeah. um, I don't know if that was so dangerous. I was never, the first time I got it was like, oh, you might die. But this time it was more just like, got to go to the hospital for a day and like get the antibiotics and then you're fine. I don't, I lead a very indoor cat life. I don't, I don't do a lot of things that are very dangerous. Speaking of indoor cats, are you going to get an indoor cat? Uh, you know, we are, so uh, Jelene and I are going up to Big Sur this next weekend and we have that on our agenda to look at when we get back. So um, it is on a post-it. Um, according to my rescue cats calendar, August 17th is National Black Cat Appreciation Day. Um, so we might celebrate that by looking at some cats black cats or are you gonna go i love rogue i love black cats and from what i understand they're like the least adopted because people are superstitious or they think they're boring but um we grew up with a lot of cats i have always had cats in my parents house and in my experience the ones with the most personality that were the most fun to hang out with were always the little black cats uh that would dart around and get into mischief but then would also cuddle up with you so i'm a big black cat fan but is it going to be different when the mischief is in your business instead of your family's business? Maybe. That's why we're still talking about getting a cat and we haven't committed yet for that very reason. I guess the other scary thing that happened is like Freya started getting super depressed and wouldn't come out of the bedroom for like a couple of days. Hmm. That's more scary than dangerous. Yeah. It was just scary. Yeah. yeah. Is, is Freya better now? She's good. Yeah, she's gotten better, but she just, like, she wouldn't eat. Oh. She wouldn't leave. Like, she wanted to hide in the, the bathtub. Oh, <laughs> learned it from watching you. So, yeah, I mean, that was pretty scary, but yeah. I guess the other dangerous thing that happened is that I flew on a plane. Hmm. Post-pandemic or pre-pandemic? Like, a month ago. Oh, that that could be dangerous to be on a plane in these times. I know you probably weren't trying to go pandemic. No, that's okay. I, you know, we're that's the context that we're living and podcasting in. So that's all I have for you, Nicole. Where okay. can people find you? I know that we end with plugs on podcasts. Where can people find you or get in touch with you if they want more Nicole in their lives? Uh, they can't. No, Nicole is <laughs> off the grid. That's her. Uh, you can, of course, no, I mean, like I have a Twitter, it's a terrible handle that I, I don't think you even know about. Nobody I, knows about. I, I have to get off Twitter, but what is it? I have five followers. Um, okay. I had started a new one. It's Nicole Strobel three S T R O B E L three. All one word. Nicole Strobel three. Three. Yeah. Well, Nicole, I have an account that you can follow and that's at babysitters BC babysitters as in babysitters book club on Twitter. Mm at babysitters bc we're also on instagram at the same handle 
And of course, we can always be reached by email, thebabysittersbookclub at gmail.com. What do you think? No? We're done? I guess we're done. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just wanted to commit the cardinal sin of dead air time. So We're an hour and 40 minutes in. Nobody's listening. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and I meant to tell you this before. I'm going to end the call for the recording purposes, because don't ask me to edit anything. I can't be bothered. But then you should call me right back. And then, because I, I want to talk about the Big Brother thing. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much, Nicole. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for having me, Jeremy. Yes. And I will be back again with my sister, not Nicole, but Nikki will be joining me. Uh, I didn't know your sister's name was also Nicole. It's, uh, well, it's short for Dominica. It's Nikki. Oh, that we call it. I like that. Yeah. Very uh, fancy sounding. Okay. Yeah, where did they get Jeremy after that? <laughs> no, I'm the oldest. They probably oh. were bored by Jeremy, and that's why they needed to spice it up with Dominica. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, call me right back. But uh, I will be back with Nikki. We are going to look at book four. We're going to dig into this Marianne mystery. And uh, I want to sit in. Uh, I'll send you the link. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter, then you can see it. All right, bye, everybody.